hear these words from the book of Acts as we uh, prepare for the message this morning. And remember what it was that I asked you to read and even memorize. And as Linda reads, hear those words again, particularly in Acts 1.8. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Holy wisdom, holy word. What does this power allow in us? Listen as Linda reads the gospel. Later, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were sitting at the table, and he upbraided them for their lack of faith and stubbornness, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. The one who believes and is baptized will be saved, but the one who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. By using my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes in their hands, and if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and proclaimed the good news everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by the signs that accompanied it. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So, what is it that would cause a successful doctor to walk away from his practice? What is it that would allow someone who had been so educated to simply drop that, change directions, and begin to follow and try and chronicle the story in a way that was understandable of this whole new movement? What was it? It sounded, as I continued to prepare for this time, it sounded a little cult-like to me as I looked at Luke. And yet that is exactly what happened. This physician, and by the way, physicians then are very much like physicians today. They were very well-educated, highly respected, and were in the top of the economic strata. And yet Luke made a decision to go another direction. What would cause that? Well, friends, as we begin this series on the book of Acts, I wonder if that's the right title 
for even this book or even Luke's gospel when maybe the better title would be the ever-changing work of God in the world or the acts of God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer in a new day. What is amazing is that Luke has created this two-volume piece. I'm, I'm interested that they didn't put the two together as they put the Bible together, when I think they should have. And if you look at it, Luke and Acts, written by the same author, it occupies just over one-fifth of our New Testament. And it's directed at a population that wasn't going to be served much. At least that was the expectation. And yet Luke decides that it's going to be up to him, that this call of God was his to now become the biographer of this new item. But I, I want to look at a couple things this morning. First of all, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 1.1. 1, 1, and look at the way he begins his gospel. And we'll talk a little bit about this. He writes, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. And by the way, what does Theophilus mean? Lover of God. And whether this was a specific person or not, we don't know. Uh, there's a part of me that wants to believe that what this was was writing to anyone who sought to follow, who loved God. But now flip over to the first chapter of Acts and his introduction to this work. And he writes, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But now let's jump down to the eighth verse. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up. So what are those, what's the mandate that Jesus gave? First of all, he said, wait, 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 because something is going to happen. Something is going to come upon you that you have not experienced before. And as, as Linda read, did you hear the question that the disciples asked him? Do you remember what they said? Is this the time? Finally, is this the time that the kingdom is going to be established as Israel? I can't imagine Jesus not doing one of these. I spent three years with you and you still don't get it. This is not about the kingdom of Israel. This is about something else. But wait, he said, wait, because something is going to happen in a few days. 
And something is going to explode into you. It will be a new beginning. And you know, anytime you see the word 40, anytime you see the word 40 in Scripture, it means a new beginning. Every single time. But then he says, after the power comes, after the Holy Spirit comes on you, I need you to do this. And we hear these words and we just kind of gloss over them all too often. He says, I need you to be my witnesses in four places. And those four places are Jerusalem. Now, easy for us to hear those words and just kind of gloss over them until we take them into ourselves and understand what they mean. I want to remind you that as Luke is writing this, he has done incredible research. He has gone back to the eyewitnesses who walked with Jesus and interviewed them. He has tried to chronicle piece by piece by piece by piece that whole history of Jesus and his ministry. He then takes on the role of theologian and also tries to interpret them so that we can more easily understand what they are. Everyone who comes after can then look at this as he says, accurate account of the words and deeds of Jesus before his death and resurrection. Right? But now 30 years later as he is writing, let's remember what Jerusalem was going through. This is right before the Romans come through and basically sweep Judaism off the face of the earth, or that was their intent. There is a rising conflict in Jerusalem and all of Judea as some new group and new faith groups and also out of Judaism, violent zealots who are now trying to take over again. And Rome has had it. They're done. It's over. And yet, here is Luke writing that first and foremost, you are to be my witnesses according to Jesus. You are to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. The same place where in a very violent way Jesus was killed. Can you imagine maybe the fear in them as they heard even the first mandate spoken? That they now have to do what Jesus did and walk through this violent city and take it on as his witnesses. But then it gets even more challenging because the uprising that's going on has spread beyond Jerusalem into Judea. And so now they're being asked to spread this into Judea, this love and grace, this forgiveness and acceptance that Jesus so readily taught. Now in the wider region of Judea. And then it gets worse because there comes the S word. The S word. I am now asking you to go to Samaria. Samaria was the most hated, disrespected, filthy place that anyone could possibly go, especially if you were Jewish. This was that group who, as the Jews were exiled, as they were taken away, this is the group that stayed behind and profited from that exile, who had built relationships with the authorities and others and literally profited from these folks who were exiled. They were even able to come, as some scholars would say, and pick over what the Jews had left behind. It's why you couldn't, as a good Jew, even 
touch Samaritan soil. Couldn't touch it. Because if you touched it, you have to go through that seven-day cleansing because of the filth that you were touching. And yet here we have a mandate that said not only are you going to face the violence, potential death in Jerusalem and the uprising that's happening in Judea, but now I'm asking you to, asking you to be my witnesses. And by the way, it's hard to witness if you're not face-to-face, is it not? It's hard to witness in relationships of love and grace if you're not across from that person, and I'll guarantee you that the Samaritans were not coming to Jerusalem. You are to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria. And what was the last one? To the ends of the earth. And I want to remind you that as you expanded it out, what are they now having to face? But Rome itself. Until we stop to think about these words and these locations, these, these words that should catch in our throat, because, oh, by the way, guess what? The mandate is there for us as well. So my question to you this morning is, where is your Jerusalem? Do you live in Bellevue or Issaquah or Renton or Seattle or some other place? Aren't there things going on there that need your attention and God's attention through you? Are there not those places right here around us? I learned two weeks ago that, that there are 500 children who are homeless who are being serviced by Imagine Housing up on the Issaquah Plateau. And that that is the tip of the iceberg of homeless children in our region. Isn't that our Jerusalem, at least part of it? And what about our Judea? What about the region? What are we facing as a region? And let's go farther and deeper. And we have to ask ourselves the question about our own Samaria. Where are those people or where are those places where we don't even want to get close to them? I, let alone be face-to-face in conversation. Who are those people for you? Because I'll guarantee you we all have them. Every one of us has them. Or that people that we haven't spoken to in 30 years. And where's our Rome? And what do we need to be doing with that? But the bottom line question, friends, are not just those. The bottom line question is how in the world could we imagine ourselves even taking this on? How could we even go to our Jerusalem or even our neighborhood, let alone Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth? Well, those disciples had the same question, guarantee you. And that's why at the beginning of the sentence, Jesus says to them, you need to wait for the power that I will send you. And you need to be in that place where you can receive that power because that power is what will allow you to transcend even your own inabilities and your own hatreds and your own anguish and your own insecurities. It is only by that power that you are able to do these things. There is an order to this. 
wait for the power of the Holy Spirit and be open in that place to receive it and allow it in as this breath of God, the wind of the Creator, comes into you and the fire that was there at creation also enters into you and creates passion and confidence that goes well beyond our own. Be open to that. Allow that. Take that in. Then you will be able to be the witnesses. So have you experienced that power? You see, in United Methodist churches and many mainline denominations now, I think we've lost much of that. And that here we are in the United Methodist Church, and if you look on the front of the hymnal, what's the symbol? What is it? It's a cross and... And I'll guarantee you the flame doesn't represent, you know, your wood stove. The flame represents that which is to be in us. And by the way, what is the name of this church? And what is Aldersgate? But that moment in time where John Wesley went from, you could call it a failure of ministry, sat at Aldersgate Chapel and felt his heart strangely warmed by that same power that lived in Jesus and the same power that was there on the day of Pentecost and the same power that entered into Luke as he did his research and began to write and that same power that was there when Saul was knocked off his horse and his name is changed to Paul and he becomes the champion of this new faith and that same power that Jesus saw in Peter and changed his name from Simon to the rock and foundation of the church and that same power that is available to every single one of us if we but open ourselves to it. And why is it that we seem to have lost that passion? So, I'm asking you to be anointed by that power and it doesn't mean that you have to pick up snakes. And it doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to speak in a tongue that you don't understand. But you know what? It does mean that something's going to happen and you will be transformed. And yet what I find so often as I talk to congregations about this is that sense, well, that was then. Friends, it was not just then. It is now. It is absolutely now. And if we open ourselves up to this, our church, this church, God's church, will be transformed. As will the Jerusalem, the Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Luke gives us the story, and we're going to delve deeply into this story for the next 12 weeks.